Georgette for that song. Have you turned your eyes to Jesus this morning? <clears throat> Have you turned your eyes to Jesus in this new year? Happy New Year, everyone. Um, <clears throat> you can probably hear it in my voice. I'm kind of needing a vacation from vacation. <laughs> and um, if you're feeling the same, go ahead and just shrug your shoulders and perk up a little bit. It's, it's Sabbath, amen? Hey, we can breathe in the fresh air of this crisp morning. Maybe some of you have been enjoying the Arctic air that's kind of been blowing through the valley. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I get this, the, that's true. <laughs> but uh, this morning, I believe God has a word for us. And I, I don't think it's by any accident that you are here this morning. I see some faces that I haven't seen in a long, long while. And it's, it's really a blessing to be worshiping God together. And I believe God wants to speak to us through his word, not that we would only listen to the word, but that we would live by the word. We're starting a, a little series this morning for the next three weeks on living by the word. And that is not uh, just some humanistic endeavor. God has said it, we will do it. No, that's, that sounds like uh, some old covenant promises that never came true, right? God has said it. He has promised it. Let us lean on it. Amen? Amen. So we're going to bow our heads together as we pray. Father, we want to turn our eyes to Jesus, the living word. And in the beginning, when he spoke, when it was complete and utter darkness, he said, let there be light. And there was light. Lord, at the beginning of this new year, when we aren't quite sure how things are going to unfold, whether this burden will lighten, whether this darkness will illumine. Father, we're looking for your word, that it would be a light into our feet, a lamp into our paths. God, we ask that as we turn our eyes to Jesus, the things of this world would grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Please speak to us. And please don't let us settle with just being informed by your word. But may we be transformed by your word. Amen. We pray this in Jesus' saving name. Let the family say, Amen. 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 Take your Bible, if you will, and open with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. <clears throat> Proverbs 29, verse 18. Proverbs is about halfway through the Bible, so if you crack your Bible open halfway, maybe you land in the book of Psalms. Proverbs comes right after that. Proverbs 29, verse 18. This is actually, uh, growing up, uh, this was probably one of the very first verses I remember clearly from the book of Proverbs, more than some of the more common ones that we might know of today. But Proverbs 29, verse 18, and we're just going to start here as kind of a, um, a kickoff, a launching pad to set the framework for our study of living by the word. When you're there, say Amen. All right, Proverbs 29, verse 18. I'm reading from the New King James. And this is what the Bible says. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Lock your eyes in on that once again. Maybe they're simple words. Maybe you have a different translation. Maybe you have the King James Version, which is the version I, I remember uh, as a young person. Where there is no vision, the people 
perish. But happy is he who keeps the law. There's a, there's a contrast here. There's a contrast of life that is not a blessing and there's life that has divine blessing, right? One side is a life where there is no revelation, no vision, no understanding of what God is doing. This isn't about me concocting my own life plan and my own life strategy. This is not about me not having a vision for my life. This is about not having God's vision, not having God's revelation. And when that happens, people perish. People cast off restraint. In fact, I just in my devotions, I, I've been kind of reading through the Old Testament and I, I just finished this book called Judges. Have you heard of that one? That's not bedtime reading. Um, but when you get to the end of the book of Judges, there's a verse that's right there. Chapter 21, verse 25. It's repeated actually a few times throughout the book. But it says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. In other words, it, it wasn't because God hadn't revealed his will but they were not possessing it and practicing it, right? It's one thing to possess the revelation of God. It's one thing to possess the word of God, but it's a completely different thing to practice it, wouldn't you say? And in the time of the judges, oh, it gets ugly. It gets ugly when we don't live by the word. When we choose instead of God's moral compass for our lives, when we choose our own. And it's, it's no wonder that Solomon, when he's, you know, scripting these or penning these proverbs, he understands that history of Israel. He understands the tendency of humanity. It wasn't just in the time of the judges, but it extended all throughout the time of the kings, which he himself was. And he knew, he knew that if he were to concoct his own vision, if he were to do things on his own word and way, the people would perish. But happy is he who keeps the law. During the darkest time of the history of Israel's kings, there was one who was bold enough to live by the word. <laughs> when you read the history of the kings, you know, there's uh, Saul, then David, then, uh, then Solomon, and then under Solomon's reign, there's like this huge golden age for the people of Israel, but then... The kingdom splits under his two sons. And then from there on, there's this steady decline. You just read about it. Pick up 1 Kings and you hear this chronicled history of just how king after king, people, individuals who are supposed to be governed by the law themselves so that they could govern God's people with his law. They no longer walked in the word of God. They no longer lived by the word. And during the time of one of Israel's darkest periods, there was one man that God chose to stand up because he was willing to live by the word. Let's see if we can play a little quiz game here. His name means the Lord is my God. Can anybody guess which prophet God raised up? It was during the time of King Ahab. Does that ring a bell? Who's got it? Who's got it? Elijah. Elijah. During the reign of King Ahab, actually go ahead and start finding it now. 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 17. We start reading about this man, Elijah. He just kind of pops in on the scene. No, no history is given of his background or narrative. 
It's just, he pops into this scene because it's a time of great depravity, great darkness, great destruction. Why? Because people are not living by the word. In fact, a little bit of history on Ahab. Ahab's dad, his name was Omri, and he was a little bit Omri, okay? Uh, the, 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 the narrator of 1 Kings says that Omri, he was worse than all the kings of Israel before him. But then when you get to Ahab, it says that Ahab was worse than his father Omri. <laughs> okay, so Ahab one-upped his dad when it came to moral depravity and decline. And in fact, Ahab married uh, a woman who was actually the daughter of the priest of Baal. Ahab essentially created an idolatrous alliance. And if the leader of God's people is serving another God, guess what the people are going to do too? Certainly, they're not going to live by the word either. And so, pops in onto this scene, we find in chapter 17, verse 1, the Bible says, And Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Woo! I don't know what kind of dignitary uh, you would just kind of pop in on <laughs> unannounced without an appointment. But Elijah was a man who understood God's will. He was a man who understood God's word. And he had something to say to King Ahab. Now even though Ahab doesn't even say a word in this verse, there's something that we can pick up just about Ahab himself because he is a prime example of someone who is not living by the word. As we go through this study, we're just going to look at three little uh, portraits. So portrait number one. Portrait number one is a picture of not living by the word. Okay? Portrait number one is Ahab. He is not living by the word. And notice what Elijah says. The very first thing out of his mouth is, as the Lord God of Israel lives. In other words, in order to get this king's attention, Ahab apparently did not live in such a way as though the Lord God lived. In other words, when we are not living by the word of God, we are essentially proclaiming that God is dead. Do you understand what I'm talking about? When we live as though our will is the best will, I'll do it my way, we are essentially confessing that God is not alive. And in order to get King Ahab's attention, Elijah simply says, as the Lord God of Israel lives, he is alive. So if we're not living by the word, he is not alive. Or maybe we should say it like this, if God were truly alive to us, then we would truly be living by His Word. We would live by His Word even if it demands uh, being contrary to the requirements or expectations of others around us. Why? Because God is alive. He's not just an idea that I can put on a shelf when it's not convenient. <laughs> He's the God who lives. He's the God who lives. The next thing Elijah says, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. Maybe your Bible says, whom I serve, right? The, the literal picture is, Elijah is, is an attendant in the real king's court, 
Okay? He's an attendant in, in the king's court, the king of the universe. And he says, I stand before God. I'm ready to do his will. I'm at his service. And by implication, what he's telling Ahab is, Ahab, by not living according to the word, you are standing before someone else. You are standing in the service of someone else. And very literally, in that context, in that situation, he was standing in the service of an idol, the idol Baal. Now, the idol Baal, if you're not familiar with that, that Canaanite culture, the idol Baal was supposedly the storm god of lightning and thunder, and he was responsible for the fertility of the land because in that area, it wasn't, uh, uh, crops were not grown by irrigation, you know, digging irrigation ditches from rivers and things like that. No, it drank up the rain from the sky. And if there wasn't any rain, there wasn't any food. If there wasn't any food, there wasn't any life. And so you can see how important Baal was to the Canaanite culture. Serve Baal, he'll give you rain. Serve Baal, he'll give you food. Serve Baal, he'll give you life. Apparently, Elijah had to remind Ahab, as the Lord God lives, before whom I stand, Ahab was treating God as dead and was standing before someone else. And he says, some bold words, a bold prediction. He says, There shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. <clears throat> I've often wondered, where in the world did Elijah come up with this, right? <laughs> did he, I mean, did he just want to like make King Ahab have a really bad day or something like that? And did he just dream this up somewhere? Actually, when you cross-reference to James chapter 5, verse 17, in James chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible is talking about fervent and effective prayer and uses Elijah as exhibit A of fervent and effective prayer and he says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours okay he wasn't a saint all right but he prayed that it would not rain for three years and six months and then he prayed again that it would rain in other words, God heard the prayers of this man. Elijah was praying that there wouldn't be any rain. Now again, I, I've had to ask myself, now where did Elijah even get this idea? Did he, was he just really trying to harass the nation of Israel? No, in fact, Elijah was a man of the word. Look at with me to Deuteronomy. Can you just keep a finger here in 1 Kings and go to Deuteronomy chapter 11? In Deuteronomy chapter 11, remember, Elijah has just proclaimed himself as a man to whom the Lord lives. Elijah is a man who stands before this living God. And Elijah is a man who lives by the word of God. When you're in Deuteronomy 11, say amen. amen. This is Deuteronomy 11, verses 13 through 17. Deuteronomy, if you remember, is a book of, uh, of Moses. Moses was prepping the children of Israel, before they were to enter into the promised land, giving them one last pep talk, so to speak, repeating the law, repeating the instruction of God. And in Deuteronomy chapter 11, he is reminding them. In verse 13, it says, And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments. This is Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 13. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain your new wine and your oil. It's a promise. It's a promise of blessing. And it's upon the condition 
of being wholehearted and loyal to God alone. Do you see that? Yes or no? Now if you keep scanning down, and in verse 16, the opposite is also true. If God's promise is true, then not meeting that condition, this is what will take place. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve what? Other gods and worship them, lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain, and the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. And so here is something that God actually promised. Serve me. Turn your heart in complete loyalty to me. Not because he's power hungry, but because he's already given himself completely to us, right? And I will give you everything you need. But beware, when you come into this promised land, this land of the Canaanite culture, beware lest your heart turn and be deceived and serve other gods. And then the heavens would be shut up. Now here's the thing, we've already talked about it. Ahab wasn't the first idolater. His dad, Omri, was pretty ornery, right? His dad was idolatrous as well. Others before him had been idolatrous. The land of Israel had been full sway into idolatry long before this. Yet the heavens had not been shut up. Why? Is it because God is not true to his word? Or is it because God is so merciful, so merciful, that he doesn't want any to perish? Unfortunately for Ahab and the people of Israel, they mistake or misinterpret God's mercy as though his words are empty. And Elijah is a man who prays on his knees. God, cause these people to repent. And if you need to, send your judgments. Wow. Elijah is praying according to this word. And he gets the confirmation. Go ahead, tell King Ahab exactly that that my word is going to come to pass. Do you understand that today? Yeah? Elijah is not just kind of uh, dreaming these things up. He's not just, you know, really heavy in his imagination or whatever. He's a man who lives by the word and prays according to the word. And we'll talk about that later on in the series, how to pray according to the word. But here again, Ahab is a prime example of one who is not living by the word and needs to be uh, arrested, so to speak stopped in his tracks and called to a contest because right now, by this declaration, by this divine pronouncement, it's really a direct challenge to this God before Ahab supposedly stands. And if that's portrait number one of a picture of someone who is not living by the word, then portrait number two is a picture of people who do live by the word. And let's look at that that portrait in verse 2. The Bible says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. That's speaking of Elijah. Sorry, we're going back to 1 Kings 17. Go back. Go back with me. 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17, picture number two. It's a picture of living by the word. When you're there, say amen. All right. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here. Turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which follows into the Jordan. 
The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. In other words, Elijah was fed like royalty. (laughs) Twice a day of the choicest things, in verse 7, and it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So we've already looked at Ahab as one who does not live by the word, but now we're looking here at people who do live by the word. It's Elijah, and I would even say the ravens themselves. (laughs) In verse 2, it says, The word of the Lord came to Elijah, gave him very specific, very distinct, very direct instructions. And what did Elijah do in response? Did he hum and ha and well? No, he did according to the word. Amen? He lived. He lived by the word. So he went, verse 5, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. You know, sometimes I kind of wish for this this level of distinct communication with God. (laughs) Where the word of the Lord came to me saying, A, B, C. Anybody else feel like that? Last night I was talking to a friend. I asked him a certain question. He wasn't quite sure the answer. So he pulled out his smartphone and he said, So how far is it from here to there? (laughs) And the phone, within a second, says, Well, Kenny, it it takes about 75 miles. Here's the thing. Sometimes we wish for that smartphone communication with God, right? Man, if I just had a Siri in my pocket. The word of the Lord came to me. But sometimes I wonder if that desire is more motivated by the desire to use God rather than for God to use me. You see, there's something about Elijah we've already discussed. He stood before the Lord. In other words, Elijah was at his service. Elijah waited on God, not the other way around. Do you understand that this morning? It wasn't that God was at his beck and call, but that Elijah was at God's beck and call. And when he was willing to do God's will, the word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came. This is actually a really critical principle because a lot of times I I ask myself, what is God's will in this situation? You know, what is the word of the Lord in this situation? And I need to check my heart because the first question that I should ask is, If God were to reveal his will, would I be willing to do it? Write this verse down, John chapter 7, verse 17. John chapter 7, verse 17. Jesus makes it very plain that we can discern whether something is of God or whether it's of man, whether it's God's will or it's man's concoction. In John chapter 7, verse 17, the Bible says, If anyone is willing to do his will... He will know of the teaching, whether it's of God or of men. Do you hear the principle there? If anyone is willing to do God's will, then they'll know. In other words, sometimes we wonder, why hasn't the word of the Lord come to me? Maybe the first heart question should be, am I willing to do God's will? Am I willing to do God? Who am I standing before? Elijah apparently was one who stood before the Lord. He was waiting on God. And when we're willing to do God's will, He will make a plain path before your feet. He will. He will. And to be honest, we should just, let's fess up here. (laughs) The word of the Lord has already come to us. I mean, think about this. This is a complete revelation of the will of God. 
something that Elijah was not privileged to have in written form in his hand or on his phone. (laughs) The word of the Lord has come to us, friends. You know, the word speaks to our practical issues. It speaks to our our everyday situations, maybe not in explicit form, but in principle, it addresses things that we can put into practice every single day in our relationship dynamics, our questionable behavior here or there, right? Our wondering about Sabbath hours or work thereupon. Our wondering about uh, practices regarding our health and how to live well. God's word has spoken. The word of the Lord has come. Maybe the first question is not whether the word of the Lord has come to us, but whether we're listening to it and living by it. Happy New Year. Amen? All right. No, no, seriously though, please, please, let's have mercy here. God is calling us to live by his word. We're we're at a juncture here where it's very natural for us to think about resolutions. Friends, resolutions are great, but they must be contingent upon revelation. So what has the word of the Lord already said in regard to this or to that? And let's live by it. Is it okay? (laughs) We must live by the word. But let's be honest here too. Sometimes that is easier said than done. It's easier said than done. I know the word of the Lord says this, but but what's that going to mean for my family or my relationships here or this dynamic here or my, my standing at my company or whatever the case might be. Sometimes it's easier said than done. And that's why I'm so thankful that this story of Elijah, there's a third portrait. We've seen the portrait of someone who is not living by the word. We've seen the portrait of someone and even some things that are living by the word. And the third portrait is a picture of someone who struggled to live by the word. Go with me just just a little bit further in 1 Kings 17. We saw it in verse 7. It says, And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Okay, so here's Elijah. He's sitting by the brook Cherith. He's been enjoying a feast twice a day from ravens that are obedient to the word of God. Eventually, because God is holding back rain according to his word, this brook where he is is residing for I don't know however many months, it eventually dries up. And in verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him. Amen. God speaks when we need him to. Saying, verse 9, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to, to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a who? a widow there to provide for you. Just from that verse alone, what do you know about this woman? A, she's a widow. Say it again, say it again. A believer in the Lord. Okay? So we know A, she is a widow. B, she has communication from God. This woman has been commanded by the Lord. Commanded by the Lord to do what exactly? To provide, right? To provide for Elijah. Now let's see what happens in the story. Verse 10, So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. All right, just like God said. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. 
And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, and she, this is this widow that had been commanded by the Lord. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Do you see the third picture? This woman is struggling to live by the word. She had already heard the commandment of the Lord. She knew she was instructed by God to provide for Elijah. But when it came down to it, she was fearful. Uh, what do you mean fearful? Fearful. Notice what Elijah says, verse 13. And Elijah said to her, Do not what? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There's a couple of things about this portrait because a lot of us really resonate with this. We know what the word of the Lord says regarding this or regarding that in this situation or that situation, but we struggle with it because we're not quite sure of the cost. And so we'll come back and notice the comeback of this woman. I think it's in verse, verse 12. As the Lord your God lives. See, this woman knows that God is alive, but God has not become her God. You see, when we struggle to live by the word, it's really at its root, there's a struggle to really trust God. There's a struggle to really say, yes, you are my God. Whatever you say, I will do. Emotionally speaking, it's fear. Emotionally speaking, it's fear. Where there's lack of faith, there's fear. That's why Elijah says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And Elijah's response in verse 13 says, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. And in verse 14, notice the promise. For thus says the Lord God of Israel. The communication from God is very real in this whole story. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. <laughs> she hasn't seen any inkling that this is to be true. But this is the Old Testament's version of that promise, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. This is Elijah's version of Matthew 6.33. When you put God's word first, you can bank on the fact that God will give back to you. Living by the word. You see, when it's a struggle for us to live by the word, we are quick to count the cost, you know, the sacrifice it will require what I'll have to give up in order to live by the word. But what about the cost of not living by the word? Have we thought of that? What about the cost of not living by the word? I mean, for this woman, for this widow, she would have missed out on the miraculous providence of God. And she would have ended up perishing just like she predicted. You see, where there's no revelation, the people perish but happy, blessed, under divine blessing 
are those who keep the word, who live by the word. So when we wonder if we can afford to live by the word of God, maybe the better question is, can we afford not to live by the word of God? We know that when we're not living by the word, it's as though God is dead. We're standing before another master. We know that when we do live by the word, God's word does come to us. He makes his will plain. And when we struggle to live by the word, God wants to assure us. He wants to do away with our fears and give us faith instead. If we think the cost is too great, realize that God's got something better up his sleeve. (laughs) And the rest of the story, you may know it, but let's read it just in case in verse 15. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. (laughs) Friends, do you believe that you and I can live by the word of God? Like, think about that phrase, that we can live by the word. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, we can live by it. We can hang on it. We can lean on it. We can be driven by it. Because God's word is life. We sang about it earlier. Wonderful words of life. This word, without it, we have no life. And so what's the practical takeaway? When we talk about living by the word, what's the practical takeaway? It's simply this. Living by the word requires listening to the word. Living by the word requires listening to the word. And you know what, to be honest, uh, the opposite is true too. Listening to the word actually requires living by the word. As we've talked about earlier, um, you know, if, if anyone is willing to do his will, that is, if we're actually willing to be obedient, then yes, God will make his will clear to us. So living by the word requires listening to the word, and listening requires living. It's very interesting because... Uh, in Old Testament thought, in Hebrew, uh, in Hebrew language even, there is no word, there's no Hebrew word for our English word, obey. Did you know that? There's no Hebrew word for our English word, obey. The word that's translated as obey in English is actually the same word that's used for hear and listen. This is pretty radical. (laughs) So God is not saying, obey me, obey me. God is saying, listen, (laughs) listen. And the truth is, we cannot truly listen if we're not obeying. And so, if we want to be people who listen to the word, let's be people who live by the word. Friends, I really just want to make this, this, at the very beginning of 2015, You know, we're talking about, or we're thinking about, what am I going to do? How am I going to strategize so I can live better, have a different year? Uh, What what can I uh, manipulate about my calendar? Or how can I strategize my days differently? Let us begin with a commitment to live by the word. And let us know that that commitment to live by the word requires that we listen to the word. Practically speaking, let me just strip this down. We need to be immersed in the Word. 
And we cannot expect to live by the word of God if we're not actually taking time to listen to the word of God. Do you have a daily habit of immersing yourself in the living word of God? I pray so. I pray so. You know, this is a great time of year to actually uh, kick that in if you have it. Or relaunch it if you've lost it, right? Uh, there, there are great resources online where you can find reading plans of how to read through the Bible in, a whole, in the whole year. Or maybe uh, you don't think that much long term and you just need like a three-week plan. And that's okay too. There are plans like that where you can just take portions of Scripture and read systematically. And the point is not just to be routine and to, you know, to be habitual and dry about it. The point is to be intentional about it. And when we immerse ourselves in listening to the Word, friends, then we can live by it. Then we can live by it. I want to be a people who know when the Word of the Lord comes to me, and that doesn't happen unless we're willing, first of all, and we're intentional to take the time to listen. So what, in this first week of the new year, what are you going to do? What are we going to do to be intentional about listening to the Word of God? Make a plan for yourself. Ask God for a plan for yourself. Share that plan with someone in your household. So that they know when you've kind of disappeared from the scene, you're not quite sure where to find your significant other. Oh, they're in the closet praying and seeking God's face in the Word. All right? Share that with someone that you can uh, have as a prayer partner. And maybe, maybe there's, a, there's another uh, just application here from this story. Uh, this King Ahab, he wasn't sure that God was alive. He lived as though God was dead. Uh, the woman who struggled to, to actually... You know, to actually live by the word. She knew God was alive, but wasn't sure if, if God was her God. Maybe you need an experience where God becomes real to you. And we'll talk about this more next week when we go into chapter 18, because Elijah facilitates an experience for that, for, or excuse me, an Elijah experience, a, <laughs> Elijah facilitates an experience for God's people where they know that God is alive. And it's an answer to prayer. Don't miss that. It's an answer to prayer. So if you're wondering, is God alive? Pray that God will show you. Uh, I'll get even more specific. Come and pray during 10 days of prayer. And God will show you. Amen. That's right. Actually, you know what, um, maybe you saw it in the bulletin, there's actually an opportunity to pray uh, every Sabbath, right after service, here in this room. Intercessory prayer, maybe you have a specific burden. Just pray. Actually, once a quarter, the Area 8 churches, the churches in this, this area, we get together once a quarter, the first Sabbath of every quarter. For united prayer. And this afternoon at 4 o'clock, if you're looking for an opportunity to pray with other brothers and sisters from the churches in this area, 4 o'clock at Modesto Central in the Fellowship Hall. There will be a top time for prayer there. Maybe you need to realize that God is alive. He will show you. As we talked about it last week, when you ask for it, He'll give it. <laughs> when you seek for it, He'll show you. Friends, this is a new year, and it's an opportunity to have a new beginning. How many of you will live by the word as you first listen to the word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the living God.
You've seen our hands raised. You've seen our consciences pricked. And we ask, Father, that you would do only what you can do. Because we can talk about these things, God, but it's not our words that change each other's lives. It's your word. And so, Lord, we're wanting to receive the word that you have spoken to us today. I know for one, in my personal experience, I, I, I pray that you would forgive me, forgive us, forever standing before another God. Forever standing before uh, other people instead of you. Lord, we want to be at your service. Please be the living God in our experience. Please. Give us the, the diligence, the faithfulness to carve out time to immerse ourselves in listening to the word so we can live by the word. I pray for those who are struggling, whatever their situation, to practice and apply your word. They know it's plain, they know it's clear, but they're having a really rough time. Lord, as they count the cost of living by the word, give them the assurance that you will provide. Thank you so much, Father, that in this new year, you want to raise up a people, just like you raised up Elijah. You want to raise up a people that by their lives declare, the Lord is my God. This is our heart's desire. In Jesus' saving name, let the family say, Amen. Amen.